is this on? everyone and welcome to another edition of the flyover state sports show um today's episode is going to start off with a little bit somber or tone than normal unfortunately we have to talk about some very very sad news that occurred over the weekend um we wanted to pay our respects to Dwayne Haskins who unfortunately passed away Saturday morning 24 year at 24 years old, former first-round pick by the uh, Washington football team, Washington Commanders, and just a very tragic incident. Um, I'm joined here today by the usual suspects, Mr. Caleb Bean Jubal and Gavin Turd Ferguson Alexander, and we wanted to make sure that we started this show off right remembering Dwayne Haskins. So, guys, do you have anything that you want to say about Mr. Dwayne? Yeah, I have one. Uh, the the video that came out, you know, the, the day of his passing, it was, it's very sad. And the one of him as a kid where he said he was going to be an Ohio State quarterback, you know, wearing that jersey, um, that that was kind of a cool moment to see on Twitter. Yeah, that that's just a very sad moment in my opinion. Um, Gavin, I know I kind of cut you off there. Well, I was, I was just going to say two things with this. First, I want to, like, there's been so much that's happened in our world over the past couple years. Um, I don't think people really remember, like, how just electric Dwayne Haskins was at Ohio State in that 2018 season. So I have his stats pulled up here. You have almost 5,000 passing yards. You have 10 yards in attempt, 50 touchdowns, 8 picks. Like, one of just the best – I don't know what about one of the best, but a absolutely incredible just college season uh, for that Ohio State program. Meant a lot to the program. You see guys like him and JT Barrett still very involved with the athletics and stuff there. Um, so, again, Dwayne Haskins, like just the passing, you never want to see people go this early. Um, and I guess with that, like people of the world – when something like this happens, there are times you just don't have to have a take on it, right? Like, it's okay just to be sad, and it's sad, and that's all you need to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, uh, for me, this hit me a little bit differently. Um, I'm Not to be offensive or anything, it, it's probably one of the five most like non-family member, obviously, those hit you in different ways, like family member and friends. But it's probably in my top two, three, like, we're going to call it celebrity-like passings, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, like, Kobe's one, and that's just because Kobe was so iconic and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, you have yeah, Sean and like, Taylor. That was, right? And that was tragic. Honestly, I think Gigi dying actually screwed with me more. Yeah. I think that was sadder 
but we're not here to compare deaths. I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne's hurt me a lot, and I think the reason Dwayne's hurt me a lot is because he's 24, and I mean, I'm 25. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm one year older than this guy, and it's, it's like kind of fun when you and your guys are joking around. It's like, oh, Christian Pulisic is like, what, 23? And like, he's playing for the national team. He plays for Chelsea. It's fun to compare yourself in that way. And it's like, ah, ha, ha, what, what do you do with your life? But when someone dies at 24 years old like that, it's like, okay, well, what am I doing with my life? Like, that could have been me. Like, there's right. nothing, there's nothing saying that I couldn't, you know, have been in that situation. I mean, we've, we do a lot, we've done a lot of dumb stuff. I know between the three of us in particular, we've done some dumb stuff and we're still here for it, but it's. Freak accidents happen, man. Yeah, it's just, it's hard. And I mean, I think the one thing I want to express to everyone is. Every time someone dies like this, a lot of people for like a couple hours are like, oh my God, that's super sad. And like, make sure to live your life to the fullest and stuff. And then like, you forget it after two hours and you move on. But I think this is one you really need to hang on to. Like one of those ones where you actually need to like decide to hang on to it and like, Look at what you're doing, right? I mean, I'm not saying everyone's like not living their life to their best way. And you can't you can't always live your life to the max, right? I mean, you're gonna have days where you come home from work at six thirty, seven o'clock and you're beat and you're gonna go and lay on the t- lay on the couch and watch T V like a potato for the rest of the night. But I mean, like it's just a reminder that you need to savor your moments in life. Go Go hang out with that friend that wants to go hang out, right? Go ask that girl on a date that you like. You never know. Like, make sure you maximize what you have in life because you never know how much you have left. Well said, Sam. Well, thanks. Um, but I think I think we do need to address an elephant just in a general sense. I think, you know, if either you guys want to monologue about it, I've expressed my feelings about it in private and I really don't want to do it on the record I'd probably say some dumb stuff but I'm not, I'm okay not with... gonna name names but I think people need to remember that athletes are and like celebrities and everyone else are humans right and it's easy to not see that because you watch them on TV and they seem like TV characters but I think when you're dealing with sensitive matters. I think people need to think twice about what's important when reporting these kind of things. No, uh, I agree. I don't, I, know. I, I, I don't think you could have said that any better than. Yeah, I don't think we need to go too much further in that. Everybody yeah. knows what we're talking about. Yeah. I, I think you chose chose the right words, and I think you hit the right right things there. Yep. All right, and sorry for monologuing. I I wasn't planning on monologuing five minutes ago when we started this, but uh, I don't know. This one just kind of hurt and it's just something that I wanted to take. So, I uh, I think it's time we move on. Um, we, we all hope that Dwayne 
finds peace. So those close to Dwayne as well. Yes. I, I hope his wife, um, wife, uh, you know, send, sending lots of prayers for that family and the situations that they're going through. Yeah. So we're going to do our best to uh, continue the show as normal. Um, yeah, we can, we're, we're going to, we're just going to move on. And you uh, can start gonna... by making fun of Tyron Matthew. I, 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 I would like to start off by making fun of Tyron Matthew. Cause I mean, his, I will say the interview that he had with, uh, Oh, what was his name? Um, let me look it up. I don't remember. He looked like a frat guy. He yeah, frat guy. Um, Sam McDowell. He, he is a good. He is a good reporter for the Kansas City Star. Yeah, um, I like him. Yeah, he he does a very good job. Uh, I'll kind of go off the quotes that was said. Uh, so Tyron Matthew met with uh, um, Sam McDowell um, in New Orleans, I think, in a calf cafe, and <clears throat> Tyron said, "Bro, I'm de- I was depressed, heartbroken." heartbroken he said i could not understand it i could not man um and he was referring to tyron matthew not receiving his deal that justin reed got justin reed received a three-year deal uh that includes 20 million guaranteed up to 31 million and um tyron said to be honest if they would have offered me justin reed's deal i obviously would have tried to negotiate, but if that's where they drew the line in the sand, I probably would have took it. I probably would have took it. Um, agents have to do their thing, but at the end of the day, it's the player's decision to sign or not. Um, and he said, I probably would have took it. Um, with that situation, do you – and supposedly when he told Sam McDowell, I guess the word is that the Chiefs have yet to have offered anything to Matthew. I don't think they've negotiated at all. What are, what are your guys' thoughts on that? That's so weird. That's weird. There's two parts to this that I think it could be. Like, A, either like Tyron Matthews, just like initial, like, this is what I want comment was just like the Chiefs kind of laughed at and the negotiating was done at that point. And it could be, a, I guess it could be a little bit of both of these because the other one is, you had the comments he made about the fans midseason, and realistically, like Tyron Matthew was a really important part of our defense. But I, I'm not just trying to make myself feel better because he's gone. I would love to have Tyron, but it is a replaceable skill set. And maybe for the comments he was making, the Chiefs just kind of viewed it as a like we can just go out and get another guy that we don't think we're going to have to pay as much. And that was kind of where the thought ended for the Chiefs. That's I, I personally, when I saw the interview, listened to it, and my, my feelings around Tyron this entire time have just been that, uh, you know, he wanted paid a lot. Kansas City didn't want to pay him, and that was kind of the end. So I, I personally didn't really believe what he said. There's so much just lying shit that hits the media right now to try and either save the franchise's face or save the players. We're seeing that so much with the draft, like – I don't would, know. Would you would you be okay with Tyron Matthew uh, receiving Justin Reed's deal? Like, or do you think well, Justin, a twenty four year old Justin Reed, is okay? The problem with Honestly, what he said no. is there's got to he's visiting other teams. If there was an offer there like that, he would have taken it. Like, I can't believe that he's visited all these teams, not got an offer. Right, so he's obviously wanting paid if he hasn't accepted an offer yet. That's that's why I believe that. 
if like, if he just wanted to take the team friendly deal, he'd be signed. I don't think it has anything to do with the money, right? It's, it's got to be the years, right? Like, I that's think where I would yeah. draw the line. How old is he? He's he's twenty nine. I think he's. Oh, I mean, shit. he's getting a little long in the tooth. Oh, like, he, I forgot like he was old, old, old. But I mean, he's been in the league for a while, and he he's he's on his. ACL. He'll be on his. He'll he'll be on his fourth team here soon. If if he does leave Kansas City, yeah, uh, fourth team. I really more. I care more about years pro. Yeah, uh, he says he's he said in here. I don't think he's talking about his wife. Um, I don't like moving. I hate this. And so obviously he's kind of flustered, you know, being being tossed around everything everywhere. I mean, if I'm the Chiefs and he's saying all this stuff, it sounds like he's kind of burning his bridges there. I mean, on the other side of that, though, if he like. I know that we don't want to give him top of the market deal, but make him put his money where his mouth is. Give him a two year, year like. Two year, one year, second year option. One year mutual option for the second. Yeah, I agree. No, just like, hey, you want to be here? This is like what you mean. We'll give you, even if that's the Chiefs' first offer, like you saw the market, we saw the market. Because with Justin Reed, that doesn't prevent a guy like. The the only thing that would make it weird is if, um, like, I mean, then you have a whole situation with uh, what's his nuts. Juan Thornhill. Juan like, Thornhill. You have Juan. Like, are you playing three safeties then? Like they usually you... do like to play three. I mean, they still played Juan. They still played uh, Dirty Dan Sorensen. They still played Tyron. They like that three safety look. Yeah, you would just use one more as a slot corner. Or I slot, mean, which would I would love to have. I would love to have Tyron in that situation because Juan does better in the deep coverage than he does uh, as a box safety. So. Oh. And let's be honest, the rest of our secondary isn't exactly at a spot where we can be picking and choosing uh, who we have there because the rest of the the rest of those guys that we haven't talked about are so bad. And it's not like the guys that we're mentioning with the Juan Thornhills or the uh, whoever else are like highly sought after NFL corners, you know, like Tyron Matthews, an obvious upgrade. Do you think they're just going to wait? And that's kind of where I'm at the Chiefs situation on this. Like, talk to this this agent and his. I can't remember whose agent is, but he deals with. He's a very high up agent. Is and Scott Boris. No, that's I, uh, that's yeah. And so you need to like talk to him and say, "Hey, we're going to wait till the draft. If that's what they're wanting to do, let's wait till the draft and reassess after that. Because after the draft, Tyron Matthews' deal is going to get a lot cheaper if he's yeah. still not signed anywhere. Well, I, I think I would even. I think for him going out in this interview makes him almost seem desperate. It is. It, is. it does seem like, like his last call. From a, from a negotiation standpoint, you're probably going to have more suitors after the draft. Because exactly. Yep. You're, I mean, because there's so many teams that think, oh, we're going to get a corner. Or we're going to get a safety in this draft. And suddenly you don't, right? Right. Someone reaches here and someone doesn't reach here and so on and so forth. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would... I think my thing with Tyron has always been I don't want to pay him long term money. I don't. I mean, if we want to pay him, if we, I mean, if we want to pay him like ten, fifteen million for one season because sure. we have the money to, and like we don't have anywhere else to spend it, then fine, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a one year deal. Like who cares? And uh, Frank Clark came out on it. Like I think it was on Instagram and said, you know, I need my dog and had a picture of Tyron Matthew. Uh, I think he's trying to do a little bit of uh, recruiting there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look, dude. I mean, 
I don't think anyone in Kansas City didn't want Tyron back, like, in a vacuum, right? Yes, in well, a vacuum. okay, I would say, like, 85%. There's, like, a 15% of people who are probably butthurt about him talking crap on the fan base. And, sure. I mean, Tyron Matthew can talk about as much crap on the fan base once because he's fucking good. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, if Pat Mahomes came out and said Chiefs King is a bunch of fucking assholes, I wouldn't care because Pat Mahomes <laughs> My thing is, like, I'm not that 15% that's butt hurt because, you know, I don't get butt hurt. But my, my thing is, like, if you watch his last year's film, he is yelling at other players more, and it looked to be in more of like a how do Rodgy I put it? Mood, right? Yeah, he, he's like pissed off. Like, he was trying, he was more worried about his, his himself. You could that's, tell that some of you gotta give him a one year deal, dude. Like, you, you gotta. For, you so you're giving a, a 29 year, a 29 year, almost 30. I think he'll turn 30 in the season, and say, "Here's one year deal. You know, we'll see how it goes." Yeah, yeah. And look, dude. Like I said, like 85 in a vacuum, 85 percent of people probably want him back. Now, it that numbers, those numbers are inverse. Probably when you factor in, like, oh, well, you have to give him like a three year deal worth this money. It, no, like, yeah. yep, that. That's not something I want. I don't want to pay Tyron Matthew till he's 33 years old. Like, that doesn't seem like a good idea. No, yeah. I, I don't want to pay a greedy Tyron Matthew, but I will gladly pay a desperate Tyron Matthew. That's, Ooh, that's, that's got a good point. That's a very good point. God, we're going to have to put that on Twitter, Gavin. That was a flamethrower. Hold on. I got to write that down. <laughs> well, I mean, that's my note. <laughs> that's my note underneath this is don't be greedy kids because that's really yeah. like what i feel this is all i ain't tired like and season ends tyron matthew wants out he thinks he deserves to be paid more and they're not offering him and then goes and looks around and well shoot i'm there's kind of a lot of me in the nfl and the other nfl teams already have a younger version of me right yeah like, I, I i think it pretty much just boils down to he's really good he's almost 30 He's five nine and older now. Like right, and he's that like rangy playmaking type that I would expect to not age as well. Also, well, he he's a very good box safety, but as you get older, these safeties tend to play more back because you know put them more in the coverage look. Um, Him being five nine is not doing. If if that if Tyron was like six foot six one, I can assure you his market would he would be signed already. You think so? Oh yeah, dude! I'm I'm telling you right now, teams are like pets. So for one, you know him throwing his arms up at Dan Sorensen or whatever. That every every week every weekend. <laughs> yeah, that looks well. First of all, that obviously didn't affect Dan Sorensen because he got signed already. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, a 32 year old Dan Sorensen. I mean, granted, it was probably a vet minimum, but I, it I signed. No idea what it was. He for, was signed to the Saints, though. Yeah, he signed to the Saints, who the Saints was looking at for Ty, looking at Tyron Matthew. Um, I, I, I genuinely just think that when you put all the variables of Tyron Matthew in, and he's five nine, and he looks like he's dejected, like on the field. And there might be some off-field stuff, and I'm sure he's got. Doesn't he? Didn't he tear an ACL one year? I'm pretty sure he did. Well, yeah, we got him because he was coming off the major injury, and, and everybody I, I thought, thought we over the major injury in Arizona. Went to Houston, recouped, and then I I can't remember. But I know either way injury. it was. I know either way, and not a lot of people like the deal 
uh, when we got him. Re- regardless of when he got injured, um, he's had a major injury. He's five nine, and he's a bot, and, he, and like he's his best role is playing all over the place. Right. Well, at some point, the thirty-something-year-old is going to be a worse corner. He's going to get more hurt as a box safety. Hell, Armani not- Watts. Armani Watts is already signed too. Like that's, uh, it, that's it's a insane. money thing. It's a money. It's a money age and like profile thing. That's what it is. Yep. No, I really and think then just and then if you just add in like I'm not I'm gonna say head case. I don't think he's a head case. I think he's just very emotional. But like emotion brings baggage, right? Like yeah. it always does. And you get by when you're really good and you're young. But like the older you get. Like the harder to justify. So I mean, like Armani Watts, not super good, but he plays special teams, and he doesn't have any problems like off field. So he gets signed, right? Yep. But uh, I don't know. I think it's time to transition though from one team in Kansas City to another. The Royals are back. We talked about them with Cash on the last episode should definitely check that one out. And I believe they lost. Did they lose today? Beans? They did that. 10 to seven. So now they're 500 right now. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> we, we went from looking like really good. I mean, it's, it's, you nobody, like I said, nobody wins in April. Nobody wins in, you know, May, you know, it's a long season. So, but God bless it. Whit Mayor or Whit Mayor, him too, but Bobby, Bobby Whit Jr. Holy shit. He is, he's like the Patrick Mahomes right now. Like when we were watching Patrick Mahomes, his first year as a complete starter and we were like, just wide eyed watching this young player with a shit ton of talent. Just that one play uh, that saved uh, when they were in extra innings against the guardians. That, that play was awesome. That That was, was I mean, that was a good play by Salvi to dig that and to make the tag. And to not cover the play, because there's a lot of, like, extra shit that the umps will call on that, that situation. But to make that play, holy shit. That, that was, was good. Chef's kiss. It was. It really was. Uh, he went 0 for 4 today, but I don't care. His defense is good. He, he, like, what, like what Cash said, it's like it's like uh, Alex Gordon all over again. I mean, Gordon kind of struggled at bat the first time, and then later on, you know, towards his career, he did, he did pretty damn good and was a gold glove all the time. So, um, it, it's probably <laughs> Beans, are you saying that Bobby Witt's going to have to go to the outfield eventually? No, he's he's, got, he's a good third base. You can't move a good third baseman like that to the. Well, I, I was just talking about the Alex Gordon art. No, yeah, well, yeah, if you if, you could, I don't know, but Gavin, I, you seem very quiet on the subject. I couldn't give two up. shits less about Royals baseball. <laughs> well, there, they, well, there's bullpens later. Uh, the back end of the bullpen's still struggling, so uh, that's that's the Royals all. You know, we. We got half our bullpen figured out. Well, I can't say I've watched much of the Royals because I'm a Sox fan, a Red Sox fan. We beat the Yankees last night and then followed it up by losing to Detroit. So, yeah, I didn't care about the Royals when they won the World Series. I didn't care about the Royals when they sucked. I just generally don't care about baseball. (laughs) I, uh, I suppose that I do not care. Um, that you don't care. I love baseball. Umpires are assholes. I hate umpires. Um, I don't have anywhere to go from that. Uh, there's, <laughs> not, there, there's not a whole lot to talk about 
four games into the season. Yeah. I, believe, I, I did the math. So this will this will work. This is going to be rounded up, by the way. So four games into the baseball season is equivalent to like the first twenty four minutes of the se- of the NFL season, right? So <laughs> wow. That I I I believe when I can't remember the exact number. It's like six and a half minutes, I think is the equivalent of opening day. So the first six and a half minutes of an NFL season is the equivalent of like how impactful opening day is. Yeah. So we're going to have a long slog. Gavin, you're going to have to deal with a lot of baseball talk <laughs> all the way to October, no, November, because the World Series is November always because reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it will be in the dark days of summer where there's nothing going on in the NFL except for, you know, camp. And we're just but, like, by the way, so I, I just want to do a quick shout out. Best show to listen to other than ours, obviously. During like the dog days when it's literally just like oh like beginning of the season baseball, like there's no NBA and like any of that crap. The Dan Lebuchard show is fucking hilarious. Oh yeah, I agree. Because they don't you know why they're funny? Because they don't talk about sports. They bring up a sports topic and then it's not sports the rest of the show, <laughs> the rest of that segment. And all those dudes are funny as hell. Yeah, they're good. I like listening to them. But, uh, okay, Beans, you wanted to talk about the current state of officiating. And yeah. I said I hated umpires. So that's a good segue. That so, okay, so this is kind of another somber, not really somber moment. Uh, it's kind of just, there's a story to it. And it's kind of me, you know, not ranting, but talking to the general public here real quick. Just a quick minute. So in Georgia, it was after a youth basketball game, okay? It was like, a, what do you call that? Like a M-A-Y-D? Rec. Yeah, rec. And so a youth sports official, a youth basketball official uh, was leaving and was jumped after, after the game by two parents. And so, and it, the, the, then people wonder why we can't find officials nowadays. I work in recreation. I work in athletics and the current state of officials is so low at this point and it's hard to find them. None of them, nobody wants to do it anymore. And yet people wonder why it's because of situations like this. It's because of, you know, they're, they're not paid enough. It's because of all the heat that they're taking. You know, it's, it's pretty stressful. You're determining a lot. And at the end of the day, you know, these guys don't want to have these guys or gals don't want to have to worry about walking to their vehicle and, you know, getting jumped because of something that happened in the game. So me talking to the parents here, it's just a game. Okay. These kids are not getting scholarships. I, I hate to say it, but there's no scouts at, you know, a 10 year old basketball game. There's no uh, scouts. There's, there's no scouts at a nine to a 10 U baseball or softball game. There's no scouts there. And at the end of the day, just walk up to an official and say, good job. They might've been a, t- a shitty umpire. They might've been shit. Strike zone might have been from, you know, outside the batter's box to right, great, you know, grazing across the chest and hitting shirt, you know, whatever. I don't care. Ball's in the dirt. They're calling strike. I don't care. Just go up to them and say, hey, man, you're doing a good job. Because I don't see those families, those parents out there doing what those people are doing. That's, that's I, all. I'm off my soapbox now, but no, I just I, wanted to bring I, that up. I have a great story. I officiated uh, or umped a, uh, 
girls softball game. It was like it was like nine, ten year olds, and there yeah. was just I got my ass chewed. So first of all, if you've never called balls and strikes, especially for like kids that can't pitch, it's hard. It, you, it's hard. It because, is. Like, you want to call strikes to speed the game up, and like they can't consistently throw strikes. So you try and like ele- you try and like ex- make the zone big ish, right? To kind of keep the game going, but you can't tell where those pitches are, like ever. No, because they're like, so, so slow. Hard. It is very hard that age group nine, because you know that that they're not quite developed yet. But it's like we're telling them to be developed, and so no. And like the thing is, is if you like, if you go to like a high school, like if you're up in like. The higher level you go, the easier it is to officiate. Because, like, I can go to, like, a high school girl's pitch or whatever, and they throw something, and it looks like a strike. And I'm like, oh, yeah. like that." That's because it's coming in at 70 miles an hour, and it, it it's not, you know, it's yeah, pretty it's much like, set. Like, most of the time when you're umping, like, a 9- or 10-year-old, like, girl or guy, just in general, guy's a little bit easier because, like, I, I'm a guy. I played baseball. I kind of know what a strike looks like in baseball. Like, softball is, like, similar, but it's still kind of foreign with, like, the angles and everything. But it's, like, I can't tell. Like, you lollipop that bitch in there. And like, <laughs> it's, like, I can't tell if that's on the outside half of the bottom corner of the zone. And then the worst part of it is with kids that age, especially, especially girls, just because they're shorter in general. The kids are so damn short, and they like squat down in their batting stance. And it's not so, just in—it's not in baseball and softball too. It's like in uh, third and fourth grade basketball. These kids are like you—you you don't want to call every slap because it's like we're going to be calling fouls all day. But then again, or, you're like, or you'll call like two hundred travels. Exactly. It's—it's it's, yeah. It's definitely. And it's just like I—I I just remember one game. There was a girl who would literally like. She was, like, three foot tall and, like, squatted down her batting stance. And, like, there was a ball that got thrown, like, probably. It, it like, ended up, like, hitting the dirt behind the plate. Mm-hmm. But, like, at the, it was probably, like, six inches, like, up on the plate when it came in. It's like, dude, that's probably a strike. Like, it, <laughs> it probably is based on how it's standing. <laughs> it's like, she's, it was like, she was, like, almost the same size as the damn bat. <laughs> Like, so dude, yeah, wanna... the coach is like yelling at me into the dirt. It's like, dude, I can't fucking tell. I'm behind this catcher. I can't see anything. So I do adult league softball too, which that's a thing in itself. Uh, whenever they start bickering, I always like to joke around with them and say, "Oh, I have an eyeglass appointment tomorrow." You know, like yeah. so. That, it, long story short, just respect your officials. Okay, shut the fuck up. Nobody gives a shit about what you say. He or she is down there on the court, on the field, making the call. I think that you hit on a really important thing there too, Beans. And where I'm going to have to disagree with you, though, is it's impossible for them to get paid more because the NFL owners and the just the oh, there's just not enough money in the NFL and, and in college basketball. Okay, the, the that's NBA, that's right? just them being money hungry, and I'm talking about high no, school. A lot of sarcasm laced I, in there. I can There's tell. There's no I can tell. fucking money in sports. Our country is defined on sports. Dude, and the people I wrote that a, control the game I, are, like, not paid. I wrote Just a paper in college uh, for my uh, – when I when I was about ready to graduate. And it's over, like, how sports affects the industry. And so 
it's actually really good. I'll have to send it to you guys. If anybody wants to read it, you know, message me. I, 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 I wrote it. It probably took me like four, four or five days to write this paper. And I don't think my professor read it, which was very upsetting because it's probably the best one I've ever wrote. I should send you uh, my paper about uh, travel optimization of baseball for like teams. That, I love it. that paper. That was a good paper. I, um, I guess we'll cap this off with the general rule of thumb. Um, if an umpire or ref is in high school or honestly even college, don't yell at them. They are children. Yeah, I agree. You're That's an good. Adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> don't yell at children. <laughs> That's good. I agree. All right. So I think on that note, I think we're ready to unveil. You know, we were looking for things to do last night, and we thought, ah, what what could we do to fill up time in a segment? Because we're running out of ideas, and the NFL didn't do anything. And lo and behold, the draft exists. So we're going to milk the draft for all it's worth. And we're doing our top five, our own individual top five for offense. We have quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, and and O-linemen. Because we're not going to do centers, guards, and tackles. Beans and I are former offensive linemen. We don't care that much. (laughs) Individual offensive linemen, you couldn't bothered me with that there's not five centers worth going over so quarterback I think let's start with quarterback yes and you know what i think we do this in alphabetical order we'll start with beans oh god then we'll go gavin and then we'll go sam so we'll do go we want to give someone her who actually did some probable research someone who's the hot take artist and someone who didn't actually like do much research and just kind of did it for the lols Okay, so I'll be the one that did it for the lols here. All right, anyways. uh, You did it for the lols. That was my job. (laughs) So You're the one who sent the draft guide in the group chat. I figured that that you read the whole thing cover to cover to and fro. Um, I've read it three times now. Okay, so do we want three times? That was like a thousand pages. (laughs) Do we want to go five, four, three, two, one, or one, two, three, four, five? And do we want to give our sleeper? Oh, yes. That is a very important part. We are giving a sixth person each. They're a sleeper. We will see how much research each of us did and how not much research the rest of us did. All right. I'm going to go with 5432. We're going to go 54321. Oh, okay. I, actually, so, no. Yeah. That, that'd probably no, be the best. go go one to five. Okay. All right. All right. The, the all right, people so, do not care who our fifth best tight end is. Yeah, they can, that's true. They can tune out. They can go to the restroom while we're going over tight ends for this. So sleeper. are are we going to go person by person? So Beans gives his and then I give mine? Yes. So that yes. will keep it the most organized. Perfect. So all right. Beans, let's. Oh, and by the way, for everyone listening to this, we're doing this pre-draft. So we did whatever research into it. And so however this turns out later, we expect you to hold us accountable. That's the whole reason of doing this is you can tell us how retarded we are. Or if we can, like, catch a lucky break like Chris Sims and get hired by ESPN. (laughs) All right. So, number one, obviously, it's Malik Willis. I think the more we kind of move on in this draft process, you know, he just seems to be the number one overall guy. Um, His film is – I get it. He's at a small school and everything. But I think his ceiling is too high. So, with him, he's my number one. Number two, I'm going to go with Sam Howell. He is young still. He is raw, which I hate it when a lot of 
you know, analysts throw that word around. He's raw. Sounds sexual. Sounds sexual. And so. (laughs) (laughs) Only uh, you would think that beans. Yeah. All the, all the time. Anyways. um, If his ceiling is Baker Mayfield, then he's going to be a starting quarterback for one of the 32 teams. Am I wrong with that? I don't think his ceiling is Baker Mayfield, but I agree with the thinking. Yes. I would okay. say the floor was Baker Mayfield. That's well, I, 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 oh, Mayfield, then I think he might not stick around. Yeah. Anyways, so um, then I have Desmond Ritter. Um, I, I think there's, again, there's uncapped potential there. I think if he sits for the right amount of time, even if he's just a backup, that, that's what this draft is consists of at the quarterback level is a lot of backups. Uh, you got Kenny Pickett. His weakness is his hands. If he's in a place where he's playing in a dome, I still think, you know, that's half his season playing at home. That's still, he's still pretty good. That's eight, nine wins. So I think his weakness is playing football at a high level, but that's okay. Could be true. <laughs> and then I have Matt Carell. It's kind of like one of those things, like you aren't, un- you're quite, kind of unsure with his talent still. Uh, he's very athletic. Um, so he's my number five. And I think if you guys did not see who my sleeper was coming, then you did not obviously listen to previous episodes. My sleeper is Bailey Zappi. Fucking damn it. Ooh. Sleeper is at least your one person you can throw in and not be held accountable for it. So I appreciate <laughs> you just wasting that. Wait, Thank you. Okay, so is I'm looking at a, the show sheet right now. Is Ritter your number two or is Hal your number two? Hal is my number two. Ritter is did, my number three. Did you four. just completely gloss over Sam? Dude, if you just completely glossed over Sam Hal like that, he's still the most underrated quarterback in this draft. I talked about him. He yeah. did? I don't remember. He did. He did? Like it was when we were talking seconds? about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, when I was comping him to Baker. I thought you were still talking about Malik Willis. No, oh, Malik no. Willis Malik Willis is a uh, – yeah. Uh, so much, okay, look. Full, full frontal was trying – I emailed my list to myself from work this morning, trying <laughs> to get my email to load. I wasn't actually listening. I completely okay. missed Sam Howe. My B. Yep, Sam Howe. Because I was going to say if Desmond Ritter is your number two, I was going to slap the shit out of you, but – you know, no, the draft guide I was reading have him at number two, and I kind of disagree with that, but he is a three. He is a third. That draft guide stinks. Gavin, go. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to show you why everything that Beans just said was retarded. So Beans obviously <laughs> fell into the mainstream media that is trying to tell you that Malik Willis is actually a good quarterback, and he's not. Sam Howell's my QB1, but uh, this is all with the preface that the way I have my quarterbacks ranked, I'm looking at my Excel right now. The top three quarterbacks are my quarterback three, and then there's a quarterback four and a quarterback five because none of them deserve to be one or two. So, um, so let's start with Sam Howell, who is my QB three one. However, you want to look at that. Three, three uh, A. Yeah. <laughs> three <So> a. <laughs> he he is a quarterback that had the exact opposite trajectory in college that you want to see. If you pull up his career stats in college, it is like the opposite of every other quarterback you see in the NFL. It just got progressively worse. He threw like 30 touchdowns and eight interceptions as a true freshman and then had the breakout season as a sophomore that had everybody like super excited when he had the um, good weapons there. I don't think we can say anything was elite, but regardless, then lost all of his weapons, but everybody just like forgot that when he had good weapons, he was good. And we have a lot of recency bias going on right now. He was not good. He was forcing the ball, but didn't really have anybody to throw to. And nobody really knows what to do with him. 
Well, he had one of the worst offensive lines in college football, took a shit ton of stacks. But I love seeing, regardless of when he lost all of his weapons um, and the like, everything was against Sam Howell, he completely changed the way that he was playing just to be competitive and attempt to still win games. He, st- he led, uh, I think he was towards the top of college football and rushing yards at the quarterback position. Um like led quarterbacks and forced missed tackles, which is just weird because he's not an athletic quarterback, but regard that was all he could do given just having no weapons. He's a competitor. He reminds me of a college Baker Mayfield and the fact of just like the, the arrogance that Baker Mayfield played with. I really do think if Baker Mayfield would have played better this year, that we would be thinking of Sam Howell a lot higher, but because that's the guy he gets comp to, you all of a sudden don't want that guy, and that's not fair to Sam Howell, but that's just the way sports media works. So he's my quarterback one. He's 21 years old. He's two years away from the year that Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, and uh, Matt Corral just had. So he has two years to get to the breakout season. That those Didn't we talk had. about the same thing with Mitchell Trubisky, though? I mean, well, okay. Hey, like – don't don't be lazy in comparison. Yeah, to I'm not being lazy, but Carolina. we said, but we were saying the same thing with Trubisky and Chicago. Well, saying, but yeah, but Sam Howell is Sam Howell's being talked about. Sam Howell's being talked about as as a second round pick, and Mitchell that is true. Is a top ten pick. That's true. Like, Look, I mean, here's the thing, Beans. If if Sam Howell sat for two seasons and had his freshman year this last year, then he would be the number one overall pick, probably. Yes. If like that's that's just how it works. Like if Sam, Sam Howell would have declared last year, he would be the one oh one in this and like like would have yeah. had that if year. If Sam, if Sam Howell would have went out there and tours ACL week one, like he would have been the number one quarterback on everyone's board. Yes. Or he would have been like the consensus like number two quarterback. Because it's like, oh, look how good this guy was. But like he got injured, so like oh well. Yep. But I, I'm going to keep this thing moving here. I've, I've talked about Sam Howell quite a bit on this podcast. My second quarterback is going to be Desmond Ritter. So when we talk about Desmond Ritter, he's a guy, he's the only quarterback in this class that was actually a team captain for his team, which I love that about him because if you look at any of the personal stuff, it matches. He was on a good team, a team that was overachieving for what its, uh, I guess, program had done in the past. Um, led the program to the national championship game. He's an incredible wow, athlete, as you can see by the uh, uh, athlete, as the combine testing. But he also is smart. He was a standout in the classroom. He looked good when he was at the Senior Bowl compared to the other quarterbacks. And at the end of the day, like he is, in my opinion, one of the most pro-ready quarterbacks in this draft just because he was calling his own protections at Cincinnati he has the arm. He has everything that you need, and he can come in and start today. And that's extremely valuable valuable to me just because compared to the other quarterbacks in this class, who I'm going to talk about next, Malik Willis. Malik Willis is a project at 23 years old that like, was a redshirt senior in uh, college that had to transfer away because he couldn't beat out Bo Nix. I don't really want to poo-poo on Malik Willis. I mean, he's my quarterback three in this class, but like – He's the quarterback three because Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett just objectively suck at playing football. So I don't – Malik Willis has the ceiling. I completely agree with you, Beans, but I think he has the ceiling in the same way that, like, Jalen Hurts has a ceiling, but they also have to be able to throw the football to 
learn how to throw the football at any point to reach that ceiling. And the NFL just has like zero track record for teaching those athletic or athletic quarterbacks to throw. The only guy that's been able to do that is Josh Allen and that he's an outlier. So he will remain my quarterback three, Matt Corral, my quarterback four, just because he has character issues that have been mentioned multiple times through uh, interviews he also just hasn't done any testing. I'm less sure about him, and he ran the most like unpro ready offense in college football. And I'm just not really sure what he is, and I don't think he has the upside to take that risk. And Kenny Pickett is a like backup in the NFL. Kenny Pickett's ceiling is like, like I don't even want to call. He's similar to Mac Jones, but doesn't have the like processing and just football IQ that Mac Jones does. But Matt Jones is a quarterback that's going to get to his second contract and it's going to be like really weird because he's not a like incredible athlete. He's not a dynamic quarterback. You don't really want to reset the market with that type of guy. Right. And that's your best case scenario is like, you're not sure if you want to pay him to be a franchise quarterback. And I think that the bus scenario with him is extremely likely. So um, I don't really have a – this quarterback class is bad enough. I don't think it's worth pointing out a, a sleeper. Who is um, – okay, when we say sleeper the, for this quarterback class, it's a long-term backup, I think, okay. is where we're at. How, how about this, Gavin? For your sleeper, who do you think is going to be the best insurance salesman? Uh, Jack Cohn from North Carolina – or, uh, Jesus, Notre Dame. Um, I like it. There you go. Jack Cohn, future insurance, insurance salesman. Yep. You're up, Sam. All right, I'll keep mine fairly brief because I, you know, didn't take this extremely seriously. I did, but I didn't. So the way I like to rank quarterbacks is kind of, you know, just in general, I like to take a lot of look at, looks at traits. So that's why Willis is my number one quarterback. I understand all of the – I understand, like, all of the fear and, like, the backlash and all that stuff, right, about – you know, he's 23 and, you know, all this stuff. But pound for pound, if you held a gun to my head and told me to pick a quarterback and they needed to be good or whatever, or needed to be, like, an elite caliber player, I mean, I'm going to bat with Malik because he has the most elite traits. Um, number two um, is Sam Howe, mainly because I think Sam Howe does have really good traits. And I do think Sam Howe is fairly safe. I think him... I think his deviation is less than Willis, which means there's a there's less higher range outcomes for him than I can see with Willis. Obviously, you know, there's less low range ones too. But I think Sam Howe is very clearly the quarterback that at the price I could get him, I would take in the draft. Willis could go anywhere from two to like the second round. Uh, Sam Howe is very clearly back into the first round, it's looking like, just based off of mocks and everything. So I think he's pound for pound the best value in the class. Um, for two, I'm going to go with Corral. Ooh. Um, I mean three. You I, mean three? Three, yeah. three, excuse me, yes. At number three, I'm going to go with Corral. I think it's just another traits thing. I think it's a moxie thing. I think it's really just more of a guy thing to me at this point. I think it really says more about how I feel about the remainder of the quarterback class really more than what uh, it says about um, Corral in that sense. Um, I Corral just seems like the kind of guy 
who like he, he feels like he has that kind of swagger and that could be like a Johnny Manziel thing. It could be like, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't even know a good quarterback with swagger in the NFL. Most of them stink. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is really cool, Sam. Oh yeah, Joe is like the one cool uh he is like the one cool uh quarterback. Yeah, just wait till he starts losing games, then see how cool everybody thinks he is. He, hey, he was cool last or two years ago. That's but, uh, that that's kind of my thing is I, I just I I just see it more of Corral, right? Mm-hmm. Um, number three, I got Pickett. Four. Uh, yeah, four. Excuse me. <laughs> I don't know why. You should, I can't be, you should be at like six, seven, and eight more than like trying to rank these guys up. <laughs> um. Anyways, um, at number four, I got Pickett. Pickett's mid. He's mid as fuck. I don't see the the re- Pickett's kind of that cutoff to where it's like, all right, Pickett. Feels like a low end starter, high end backup, and everyone over him I can see being like a good starter. Everyone below him, I just don't see it, yep. which isn't a bad thing because quarterbacks I don't like tend to be good, and quarterbacks I do like tend to be bad. So, congrats to those guys. And my number five is going to be Carson Strong. Wow. Oh. Um, I just personally like the traits. I saw him in person when they played K State this year. He's got the arm talent. I know he's got an injury issue, but I mean, it's quarterback. I think he'll live. Um, I I think you know everyone's talking about well, where's Desmond Ritter? I think Desmond Ritter fucking sucks personally. Mm. I've watched him. I've watched him play. I don't think he's really good. I I just don't think he's good. I think he's a backup. That Alabama game was rough, and that that did hurt him. He didn't look like he was a. He didn't look like he didn't look like he belonged on the field. Yeah. Um, Right. You know, Jake Browning looked just as good as he did. Jake Browning barely got drafted. No, oh, and that's his only game that came against, like, legit competition, too. Well, right? I mean, he had a game – Houston was pretty good on defense this year, and they kind of stunk in the first half. I mean, dude, I look, man, like, I've seen – I've seen, like, Kellen Moore play really well against bad competition, and then he can't get drafted because he doesn't have – the traits for it, and then he goes right. and plays in the NFL, and he's not very good. I mean, like, doesn't he, he – doesn't Desmond Ritter just feel like Colt McCoy? Like, doesn't that yes. feel like what it is? So, like, what are you going to get? Like, a guy who starts for two years and then he's the go shit, like, you know, this guy's actually not that good. There's a reason we drafted him in the third round. Yep. I, I just don't see it. I, no, and it's – and, I... and, like, I look, I didn't see it with Dak, but, like, everyone wants to call Desmond Ritter Zach or, or Dak. And it's like, I didn't see Dak. Dak just so happened to be good. But Dak also got to play with Dan Mullen. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Um, and then my uh, sweeper is going to be Dustin Crum. Ooh, Ooh I rated. like that one. I, I like Pretty low rated. Um, he's pretty efficient just by looking at the numbers. He's a dual threat. Um, he passed for 20 touchdowns and eight picks this last year. Ran for like... Uh, it was double yards, I think, and like twelve TDs. Yeah, um, he just feels like a guy who, like you know, could develop into that backup, especially if we're going to a more mobile quarterback type system. I mean, he he feels like the kind of dude that like could end up in Philadelphia to backup Jalen Hurts or something like that. Like, yep. he he just feels like a guy who has like some stuff to him, and he also has a really cool last name, and I think that's a very important part about drafting. <laughs> No, what, well, one last thing on this quarterback class, in my personal opinion, and I'm not sure how you guys feel about it. Big picture, to me, 
Sam Howell is the only quarterback in this class I think has a chance of like realistically getting a second contract. If anyone does, I don't think any of them have a like likely chance, but I think if we're looking at what's actually realistic, I just think Sam Howell is the only, that's why he's my QB one. I think Willis is a good chance though, just because if Willis gets taken top 10 and like he's average, he's going to get paid. The problem with that is Lamar would be paid. Lamar also is, like, not pursuing the contract. That's fair. I guess he's his own agent, so that's a little different. Lamar is Lamar is being weird about it from just a normal perspective, which is just par for the course for Lamar, honestly. But yeah, no that's a conversation for a different day. All right, we kind of know who the good running backs are in this class. There's, like, only three of them being. Yeah. Maybe uh, let's just run through these real quick. All right, so my top five, first one, Brees Hall. Um, yep. you, can, you can talk about Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. It's kind of a toss-up. Um, with me, Brees Hall just had uh, – he's got – he's kind of got it all. He can catch. He can run. He, he's got a good route, uh, route tree for a running back. So I think, you know, none of these running backs are going first round. So with these allegedly. two – Allegedly. You know, some dumbass, you know, Chiefs have that 30th pick. You never know. And so, <laughs> but Brees Hall, if I was the Chiefs at the 30th pick and got Brees Hall, okay. I don't want him at 30, but um, I think Brees Hall is the better one um, of the two. And then Kenneth Walker, you know, he's that short little stout motherfucker that's just really fucking good. Um, I, like, I like that in a running back. Um, Isaiah Spiller, he's obviously up there as well at Texas from Texas A&M. You know, over 1,000 yards, you know. Also, as a you know, he's got a got a pretty good route tree for a guy his size. Um, yeah, yeah. He's then, a lot of now's the fun part, Beans. Now's the part where you can drift into waters unknown. Yep. So now's this, yeah. You're now you're in. now you're like into like different territory. I mean, you could say Kyron Williams because Kyron Williams at 194 pounds, fucking unleashed on Leo Chanel, who's a 260 pound linebacker. He's a good blocker, but he's not in my top five. I have a. Uh, Tyler Batty at four. Ooh, Batty. good call. Yes, I like Batty. I think if Larry Roundtree at uh for the Chargers, if he's getting snaps, then Batty should be like a rotational dude constantly. Uh, this guy is short, but holy fuck, this guy is he's he's got a lot of. Well, well it's he, one of those he, things where his heart doesn't match his height. No, well he's short, but he's like thick too he's not one of these guys you see come out and he's like 5'8 and 180 yeah and he he had over 1600 yards of rushing that says something for a guy his size in the southeastern conference yeah that says something that says a lot and so that that only counts when it's a running back that fits your narrative sam nobody talks about the fact that this dude put up 162 yards a game in the sec yeah uh, speaking of another running back in the SEC that's really good, Brian Robinson is my number five. He's just like that ground and pound dude. Um, I kind of, like I said, I like the ground and pound guy. So yep. give me, give me him. And then uh, my sleeper, um, I've got two. I don't know. I'm going to hold off on the second one, see if you guys name him or not. But my, my one guy is Abram Smith. Um, mm-hmm. I like him because he came in as a linebacker, moved to running back. He kind of runs tall. But he will definitely come into the league as a special teamer and just be a, you know, be that third guy in the rotation, you know, if somebody gets hurt. And I think he'll produce for like, you know, 500, 400, 500 yards a season. So, yep. Um, so if that's everything for you, Beans, 
Um, I'm not going to talk too much on Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker. Brees Hall has no holes. Kenneth Walker wasn't used to pass catch, so we're not sure. Um, when we get to RB3, um, I'm going to throw Spiller in there, but I would just like to say, like, the first two are, obvi- are obvious selections to me. Three is that spot where, like, Spiller's that guy right now, but Spiller also, like, ran a four five eight forty coming out of high school, lasered, and has apparently got slower in his time at Texas A&M. Like, he's just a guy that he's there because I don't trust lowering him anymore at this point, but I see the concerns. And then past this point at running back, I'm starting to look for guys that can fill a certain role really, really well. There's no just workhorses left, right? Like, we can agree on that. Yeah. So I I throw Tyler Batty in there to be my, like, Naheem Hines plus type receiving back. Um and then and he'll be my four. And then at five, I'm actually going to – there's a lot of guys that could be this type of back. I would just kind of want to give this guy a shout-out. Kevin Harris from South Carolina. Um, not only does he have a mechanical engineering degree, he was injured, he injured his back um, in oh, yes. workout. So as, same story as like Sam Howell. Uh, like had a bad last year and that kind of dropped his stocks, but like it was just because of injury with him. He like came back and tried to play um, and just wasn't like as effective, but the year before had 130 yards per game in the sec. He's 221 pounds. He has a BMI of almost 32. Like he's just a built and thick dude. Now we didn't get to see him test. And that was really concerning because you want to see if he's recovered from that injury fully. And if he is that like elite type athlete, but as far as a guy that like I can put as my first two down grinder and just give him 15 to 20 carries a game and know that he's going to make the most out of the carries. I think he's a perfect fit for that. You could also throw Zamir white, Brian Robinson, Damian. He, Pierce. Uh, Kevin Harris also looked really good in the bowl game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there's, I literally in that tier, I think I have, uh, 10 running backs in that same tier. So just keep that in mind. Um, yeah. when I say him. You, you just kind of threw a dart out. Whichever one had the mechanical engineering degree is the one. That <laughs> yeah. So who's your, who's your sleeper? Sleeper. I'll go, uh, I'll get Pierre strong from, uh, Jack rabbits, the South Dakota state, a shout out. Yeah. Just absolutely dominated, uh, the FCS competition on the ground. Um, I'm not sure about his pass catching, but again, He's an elite athlete that – or tested as an elite athlete that can at least do the first two downs well and is thick enough to survive at the NFL level. So if he's not going to be a workhorse, I want him to do – at least hit one job really, really well, and Pierre Strong can do that. All right. So I think we can keep these first three pretty short and sweet. Uh, Brees Hall, good. Kenneth Walker, good. Spiller, Concerning, <laughs> but just just hype at Perfect. this point, right? Um, yeah. But no, Brees Hall, like, should be really good. All the metrics say he should be pretty really good. Walker should be good. All the metrics say he should. Spiller, T.J. Yeldon, according to metrics, um, sure, yep. I guess. Um, my number four. Um, you can tell I'm not a talent evaluator by me doing this, but I'm going to go with Rashad White. And the reason I'm going to go with Rashad White is because I feel like he is the best or at least the most productive pass-catching back 
Mm-hmm. And for me, when I think about my rankings for running backs, I need them to fill roles. I need to know like how they're going to fit in the NFL. And I'm like very confident that Rashad White is going to fit some sort of pass catching role in the NFL unless he gets like drafted to like the Colts and Naheem Hines is like already there. Then, you know, that's a little bit different. Um, I, I just don't, for me personally, like I just don't see anyone else like having that elite trade stuff like a Hall or a Walker or even a Spiller to a lesser extent to where they can become that workhorse. Now, granted, someone probably will since I said that. But for me, you know, it's pretty much about roles at that, this point. And White fills a very important role, especially in today's NFL. And I'm going to go with Brian Robinson. Just because Alabama running back, it's as simple as that. If you went to Alabama and there's no other good running backs, then Brian Robinson should be good, right? Yep. And he just feels like <laughs> he feels like a nice, like you said about Kevin Harris, a really nice first two down running back. Um, and then for my sleeper, I am going to go with Sincere McCormick. Oh, uh, I was going to wait for. I knew that was going to come at some point. Coastal Carolina, right? Nope, UTSA. UTSA. He basically was the whole offense for the majority of the offense for UTSA this last year, and UTSA went undefeated in the regular season, right? Or did they lose one game? I can't remember what happened with them. It's irrelevant, but he was super productive in college. Um, He's only five nine. Like he probably isn't going to be. He doesn't run very fast. He's probably not going to be anything too special. But you know. He could be a guy that's like a nice rotational dude, nice little change of pace guy. Plus, he has a great name. You can see the, you can see the trend of me. You know, if you have a football name, you have a higher chance of being a football guy. Yep. And uh, before we go on to the next part here, I also would like to say in my rankings that Traylon Burks is my RB three in this class. So, um, <laughs> I was gonna but, yes, I was gonna bring that up too. Damn it. No, he's uh, if he played at running back just for an NFL team, he would be my third best running back in this class. But that's more of a shot on him being a wide receiver. So take us away, Beans. All right. So I'm not. Uh, I'll I'll just let you guys know. Traylon Burks is not in my top five for wide receivers. That's a so, cold stake for me. Yeah, yeah. So my number one, Jamison Williams. I know he has the ACL tear, but just as pure as yeah, as pure fucking talent. Like I think he's got it. I think what was his stat like over twenty one yards of cat a, re- a reception? He, he led the country in touchdowns of thirty uh, yards or more. Yeah, so the, it, this this guy's a top with even with an ACL like ACL sir ACL tears are not what they used to be. You know he'll come back fine. You know even if he's like a, a hair slower, he's fine. Yep. Um, number two, Drake London, just because that guy can just fucking body people. Um, I don't think that needs to be said. Are you concerned about his separation? Because that has been Uh, a hot commodity on Twitter over the past couple days. A lot of people can talk about the separation, but like look at the corners that are in the NFL and how many of them are under six foot. So if you can use him the right way, I think Drake, I, I think Drake London is, I mean, that's why I have him at my number two, you know, if he's in a good situation with a good quarterback, I'm not saying he's going to go with Patrick Mahomes, but if he's with someone who is just, you know, 
a little bit, you know, like Jimmy Garoppolo, let's admit it. He's, he's okay. He's a good quarterback. He's a man, game manager. If you could just put it right where he fucking needs it to be, then the Drake London is okay, is a good receiver. Um, number three, Chris Olave. Um, I don't think, I don't think we need to put much more there. Number four, Sky Moore. Fuck you. We got to push <laughs> this guy down. Come on. God damn it. No. <laughs> and number five, John Mechie. I, Listen, every what? yes. Ooh. Don't don't Ooh. you don't you come at me. For oh. I am gonna come at you. Explain yourself. About yeah, I would okay. like an explanation on this one. This okay, slot receivers are it, it, okay. We're in a time where slot receivers are short, fast, and quick. Am I wrong? No, no, it's hundred percent. Okay, okay. So as far as route running, Mechie, I believe, is one of the more smooth route runners in this class. Is this guy, tell you to say that? No, actually, no. Like I firmly have said that. Like I think he has more of a dynamic. I said route tree earlier. A dynamic route tree than a lot of these receivers do. Like his routes are pretty fucking crisp. I agree um, with that part. I think his route running is underrated, and yes. you see that a lot with like a refined receiver coming out of Alabama, right? Yes, and so every like I said earlier, every Alabama's always got two receivers. You had last year. Last year was Waddle and, uh, um, God damn it, Devonta Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, just my the guy who won the Heisman. Yeah, and just, so just forgot about him. <laughs> just forgot him. Yeah. Waddle. Yeah, sorry. Waddle's like a penguin. Alcoholism. Anyways, um, yeah, you have them two guys, and I think Mechie is a part of Mechie and Williams are in that is in that conversation. So, um, come at me all you want. Fuck off with that. Um, hold on. Garrett Wilson, let's go, Beans. Yeah, Gavin was the hot take guy. Beans is the hot take guy. (laughs) Right, yeah, Beans. Uh, so I guess give us your sleeper, and then I'm going to see why you're wrong on Garrett Wilson. Why is it what? I said, give us your sleeper, and then I'm going to tell you why you're wrong on Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson? He's not in your top five. I think Chris Olave is better than Garrett Wilson. That that doesn't mean that Garrett Wilson can't be in the top five. Yeah, bro. that doesn't mean Sky Moore can't be in the top five. No, I we, we understand that he's just saying he's gonna. Tell okay. You why Anyways, he's my my okay, my sleeper is a uh, Makai Polk out of Mississippi State. Um, Ooh, Makai Polk. Yeah, beans. I got okay. twenty wide receivers like thoroughly ranked here and have no idea who the fuck. Actually, twenty five. I have no okay. Idea who the fuck beans cut out for me, so I heard Makai and then Mississippi State. So Polk. that's why I uh, said Makai Polk out. Of, so obviously he's with Mike Leach and and an air raid offense. So you know he's going to have a stat padded fucking, you know. But he's twenty years old. I mean, coming out of college into the draft at twenty years old, you've got some time to work with him. So that's why I like him as a sleeper. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, so all right. So I got a lot of notes here. I'm going to go in depth on Garrett Wilson because the utter disrespect. <laughs> that Garrett Wilson might be. Is Garrett Wilson your wide receiver one or London? I can't remember. Garrett Wilson is my wide receiver one. And he is in the same same tier as Jamison Williams, but he is ranked ahead of Jamison Williams in that tier. So um, not only do we have great personal remarks from every single spot that we can look on Garrett Wilson, uh, he also was the only wide receiver in this class that was above three yards per route run each year. He was also the only wide receiver in this class that was above two and a half yards per route run each year. So like in terms of when this dude got the opportunity, which was the entire time he was in college because he's awesome. 
He just used it and was incredibly efficient. He is a, like, oddly, he's almost too electric of a route runner. It looks out of control. And I don't understand, I don't really understand it. It works. He creates separation, but there's a lot of wasted movement in there. At the same time, though, this dude's going to be 21, 22 years old. And this year, like, he has he has room, he has time to improve that. He had Division One basketball offers when he was coming out of uh, college, or coming out of high school, sorry. Tested like an elite athlete. Actually, his one of his biggest questions coming into the scouting, or the pre-draft process, was his speed. Then he goes and technically outruns uh, Chris Olave, even though that's just false at the combine. But regardless, just shows you the speed that this dude has. He's Ohio State's number one receiver on one of the deepest and probably the best wide receiver core in the country. There's just really not a whole lot more to go into on Garrett Wilson there. I think that he is the safest wide receiver in this class in terms of going to be a productive NFL wide receiver. I Overall, I just think he's the best blend of ceiling and floor, which is why he's my wide receiver one. Um, so when we go into Jamison Williams, it's odd because I have him ranked above Chris Olave, who he technically couldn't beat out at Ohio State. But after you go into the SEC and put up a 1,500-yard receiving season, I'm going to go into the theme of this show with personnel people and sports being fucking retarded and Jamison Williams not just finding the field there. So um, I understand he's hurt. Again, I agree with Beans entirely on the talent is there. I don't give a shit about the ACL tear. When he got the opportunity, he absolutely ran away with it. And the only year he was starting, he was also over three uh, yards per route run, which is just a great mark for receivers to hit when they're in college. Not really a whole lot more to uh, go into there. Chris Olave is my three in the next tier. Um, Fastest wide receiver in the class, arguably. I know the combine didn't say it, but I don't care. Um, But he's he's the fastest wide receiver. That's also the best route runner. I like I know the concerns about his uh, Jesus yards after the catch and like I understand that but that also just disregards how good he is at everything else so he's not going to be your number one but if he's your number two on an NFL team you have an incredible wide receiver there uh next receiver in that tier my four is Drake London and he is a really weird evaluation because uh, he was force-fed a lot of short volume that fit what he does really, really well. So he has sh- a lot of really elite shiftiness for his size, but he does not have the speed to separate vertically. So he's this like big-bodied receiver that is going to have to rely on contested catches down the field, but can still separate you know, in the short and intermediate routes. So he just has to be used correctly, which is why he's down in this point. But the... You know, playing basketball at USC, being a team captain, voted a team MVP, all of those things, the things that you just love to see in a prospect that you're bringing in. So um, at this point, you're going to be talking about receivers that have question marks. I think Drake London's question marks are uh, concerning, but you can still get a productive NFL player out of them. I have absolutely no doubt. And my fifth and why I was pissed off uh, with Beans earlier is because I thought I was – well, I probably was the first one to the Skymore um, fan club because he was my wide receiver five back in February. Uh, the combine testing just kind of reassured that he was actually an elite athlete. But 
there is no wide receiver in this class that checks more boxes in terms of like what they were asked to do than Sky Moore. Sky Moore, the only box he didn't check was the this playing against good competition, but he never even got the opportunity to do that. The only times when he played like a power five school, he played good. He produced against them. It's just he never played that elite competition. So you're kind of concerned. I don't care that he's five ten. He's got he's got a good BMI. He's gonna he's great after the catch. He led the nation in force missed tackles. Like there's nothing to say. There's plenty of wide receivers in the NFL that just nobody mentions that Deontay Johnson, Elijah Moore, Jalen Waddle are all five nine. He's actually taller than those guys. So not concerned about the height whatsoever. Um, and then if I got to throw, I guess, what are you guys' feelings on that? Well, I look for my sleep sleeper here. I, I like your list. Uh, the Wilson one, definitely a lot, uh, higher, but, um, that, my, my you... list falls more in line with yours than it does with beans. Let's just leave it at that. Thanks. <laughs> I agree with that. So there's, you know, there's one or two listeners out there. It's like beans is beans is right on. And then like everybody else is like, beans, you fucking idiot. Beans, when you said John Mechie at five, some dude, like, crashed his car because he couldn't believe that that came out of your mouth. You're a murderer, Beans. Yeah. yeah that was so, my, uh, uh, my sleeper this year, I had to scroll down pretty far to get to him, but uh, Bo Melton out of Rutgers. Ooh, so, I like that one. This is a guy that tested out with elite athleticism, and you can actually see it on tape. Um, he's The problem is he's just at Rutgers, right? Like, the quarterback that they had there was legitimately a grad student that they just, like, asked to come back and play quarterback because they didn't have anybody else that could do it. And when he's running routes, you can still see the, like, occasional good head fake that will use to uh, create separation at the stem of his route. He was a team captain, played special teams. And this this is a guy that, at the end of the day, you're going to take with the day three pick. He's going to make the roster because he plays special teams. And you can leave him on for a couple of years and see if that like elite athleticism translates into a more refined receiver and route runner. Right. So that's the type of guy that I would want to take a dart throw on late. Let's uh, see who you got, Sam. So my first one that I got is Drake London. I, I Ooh. personally believe when it comes to London that he has the most like alpha ability right like he he's the guy that i look at and i think okay yes like the separation is concerning right like like that is a thing yes also if you take out the i I read a stat the other day where if you take out the number of like contested catches he had during this last season or maybe it was two seasons ago if you take out his contested catch number from his receptions, he still finished with the second most receptions in football, right? And I yeah. think there's a lot of manufactured stuff, but, like, the NFL manufactures a ton of stuff all the time, right? Right. And he reminds me, just on tape, when I watch him, he kind of reminds me of, like, a Travis Kelsey, right? Like, in terms of the shiftiness of the after-the-catch stuff, and it's like... Oh, that's a really, really good comp, because he, he wins in that same way as Travis Kelsey. And yeah. To, to me, so for me, like, tra- if you ever watch Travis Kelsey, if anyone ever told you, like, oh, Travis Kelsey's this all-world tight end, and he's so good, and this, that, and the other, and you watch him, you wouldn't know. He, he looks like he looks like a really athletic dad out there is what it is. 
Like, <laughs> Travis Kelsey doesn't look like an athlete at all. And, yes. I mean, Travis Kelsey's bigger. Like, he's bigger than Drake London, whatever. But, like, Kelsey wins by being a good route runner and being shifty and all that stuff. And I, for my money, I think a good comp to him is kind of like a Juju, where he's, like, a biggish. And I know that's lazy because Juju also went to USC. But he's like a taller receiver, and he really should be playing in the slot. And I think that that's really where he needs to be playing is in the slot. That kind of concerns me about who, you know, has picks that's looking for wideouts, you know, like Elijah Moore's at the Jets. And, like, Devonta Smith should be playing in the slot. And I think teams might try and make him an X receiver when he should definitely be a slot guy. But I think... If he goes to a situation like a Green Bay, for instance, where he can just play wherever because they don't have damn anything in Green Bay, then he can actually play the slot and he'll actually produce much better. But I think he's kind of the other thing too is I mean he went and he went as a freshman at 18 years old and competed and outproduced like Michael Pittman and uh, Amr St. Brown, who are NFL yeah. receivers. Yeah, that's. Like, I love that about Drake London. Like, that's that's another thing you have to consider. Like, when you start talking about, like, the guys who, like, have the really high contested catch rates that bust, you're talking about, like, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Well, he didn't play with any pros. And Kill Harry played with uh, Brandon Ayuk, I guess. And, like, that yeah. was kind of concerning. But, like, Jalen Rager didn't play with any pros. Uh, who are some other guys like that? I, I don't even know the other guys because they all busted out. But, like, a lot of those dudes didn't play with any pros. Denzel Mims, too. Yeah, Denzel Mims didn't play with any pros. Like, these are just guys who had really good one-on-one skills against college corners who were just getting it lobbed up to them because there was no one else to throw to. Like, they didn't beat yeah. any. And so, I think that's kind of – I think that's going to be kind of the theme of my list for the next two picks is, you know, beating guys out. And so, that's why I got Chris Olave at number two because – I think it's very unfair to say that he got beat out by Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba this last year because we had a quarterback change, and we went from the guy who was the number two quarterback who probably practiced more with Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson and everything. And those guys are both good in their own right. But Alave just produced at every step of the way and was always really good, right? Yep. And he technically, him and Wilson technically kept a foot down on Jamison Williams, so that way he had to transfer to Bama. And I, I personally, for my money, just think that Olave is a more polished receiver. I think he is underrated because I think when you have a guy like Garrett Wilson and him are very similar, and I feel like Olave kind of got put into the deep threat role because, you know, he has faster game speed and Wilson was able to play the role that Wilson played. And if you flip those roles, then I think people would be talking more about Olave. Yeah, no, Wilson's role in that offense was just, it's a spot that a more productive receiver is going to be at all times. Just think we saw scary Terry in the uh, Chris Olave, that deep threat role and like not be productive. Right. We saw him. Yeah. That was his like question coming out. Season had 400 yards and a couple touchdowns and had the athleticism, 
but like when you compare that to Chris Olave's production, like there it's the same role. It's a similar offense, but Chris Olave was putting up thousand yard seasons back to back to back. Yeah, and for my money personally, and I did I'm I'm the first one to say, you know, Ohio State's a really good quarterback play for the last three years, right? Like we're not we're not gonna sit here and say that uh Cam McLaurin had elite quarterback play from freaking JT Barrett and the gang. But like for my money personally, like he's the best receiver in Ohio State history and Ohio State has produced Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. Or Michael oh, Chris Olave. Like they, they produced Michael Thomas and like Terry McLaurin and like a bunch of other dudes and like production wise, Olave's the best one. So can I ask you a question with Olave? Yes. Do you view him like better or I guess differently if he did declare last year? Just because no, this year was he's a really step- not even that old. Like he's well, no, I'm just older. saying in terms of like then this year that he quote took a step back in terms of being the number three option on his team, like never happens. He uh graduates as a early declare as a junior technically a year older but yes i give he's he's literally 21 he's the same age as garrett wilson right now like yeah like um i i don't necessarily see that as a bad thing personally i think i think it's just a product of the offense like Mm -hmm. i I know i agree that was just a good a question for you yeah well and then to piggyback off that wilson is my number three um you already did a lot of talking on wilson i think they're really close i just think I think we'd feel the same way about Olave as we feel about Wilson if they would have switched roles, and they're pretty, they're very similar wide receivers. Um, and then I'm going to go with uh, Jameson Williams at number four, a little bit of Ohio State streak. I couldn't necessarily justify putting him over those two because, you know, I get it was a COVID-shortened season, and that's not the best way to look at things. But Olave and Garrett Wilson kept him down when they couldn't keep Jackson Smith and Jigba down this last year, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we, we've seen a freshman wideout be able to supplant those two. Right. Or produce alongside those two. And Jameson Williams didn't. So I have a hard time. I, from a production standpoint, I have a hard time doing that. And then I guess I'm the only person with Burks on here. Burks is just kind of, he's, He's not like a Calvin Johnson freak athlete. He's a really good athlete, and he's like big, and I mean, he just he has traits. That's really all it is. Is he has traits? Yep. And it's one of those things where it's like you can rank Sky Moore here, and like I'm fine with that, or you can rank a Christian Watson here, and like I'm fine with that. But if you lined those guys up and said, hey, which guy do you want, like, to throw the ball to? Like, I'm, t- I'm taking Traylon Burks, and that's a really shitty way to evaluate. Well, I mean, it's a ceiling versus floor thing at that point to us, right? Like, I have – I admit wholeheartedly that Burks has a much, much higher ceiling, possible ceiling in the NFL than Sky Moore does. It's just that I think Sky Moore has – is so much more likely to hit or be closer to his ceiling than Burks is. So I guess we agree at least on the evaluation of what Traylon Burks is though. Yeah. It, to me, Burks, Burks feels like jumbo Dexter McCluster. I know he's getting all the Debo like comparison stuff, 
Um, we'll just have to see like what comes of that. He's we'll what find we out. Levisca Chenault to be. Yeah, he, he could be. I mean, people will talk about the tape and how Lavisca looks better. And you know what? I would argue. I would argue that Lavisca just was a raw wide receiver, and they should have used him out of the back. I would argue if they lined Lavisca Chenault in the backfield and let him, you know, create separation on linebackers, he'd be better. But you know, yeah. they don't. So. Um, and then for my sweeper, I have Ty F- Fryfogel. Good God, you two both have – I have 25 receivers ranked, and you guys have both got a guy that I don't even have. Top <laughs> to you guys. <laughs> Ty Fryfogel put up like 200 yards against Ohio State one time two years ago <clears throat> in a COVID-shortened season, and that's why he's here. He probably won't get drafted. He's probably not very good, but I just wanted to, you know, give him some flowers for torching an Ohio State defense during a COVID-shortened season. Um, I have nothing really to say about Ty Freifogel other than he's like 6'1", and like I said, he torched Ohio State one time. It's the Rondo Moore effect. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Freifogel will probably turn into nothing. But, again, he had one good game one time. So, there you go. I, I do want to touch on the Burks. So Burks and Drake London are, both have like similar downfield separation concerns, right? Um, just because they were both used in a short, low A dot type of role that had a lot of manufactured production. I guess the difference to me is Drake London was shiftier. He was better at actually creating that separation, and I kind of trust his... I trust his ability to play wide receiver. He looked smarter uh, crossing the middle of the field. Like, the way that I uh, looked at Traylon Burks, if you planted a tree at middle linebacker and Traylon Burks ran a slant, he would still hit the tree. Like, there's just not a whole lot of feel for running routes from the outside receiver spot, which makes sense because he basically played, like, running back plus. And I guess that's the – when you run a 4-6 – even though you're big, the corner that's chasing you doesn't give a fuck that you're big. He's still going to be on your hip. And- yeah, he's, he's still an NFL corner. He's still going to make plays. I, I think for my money, really all it is for me with London that, like, the, the thing that puts London ahead of, like, those three, Al- or those three Ohio State slash Alabama guys is Drake London has played with folks, and Tra- Drake London has beat out folks. Traylon Burks just kind of showed up to Arkansas and was a pro and, like, pretty much was the whole offense. Right. And, yep. like, I I don't feel – I feel like when you're good, like, your first, like, two rounds NFL good, even though you're playing in the SEC, and I get that everyone's, like, shouting at me because it's like, oh, you played in the SEC – it's like, dude, he's still like a physical freak compared to most of those dudes. Like, he's not – like, just because you're playing in the SEC doesn't mean he's playing against pros all the time. Like, that's the thing that I think people need to understand is, like, the SEC isn't just, like, a bunch of pros. Like, there's, very there's tough dudes in there that are going to, like, be in the NFL for, like, three seasons to play special teams and then, like, be gone. And it's a lot of top-heavy – like, I and I know, I know, I know, I know, Reddit, I know that the Alabama game happened – and Traylon Burks dominated against Alabama. I know, I know. But the majority of the rest of his highlights are coming from him just out-athleting Vanderbilt, like Tennessee. Just these teams where, like, you're, I'm, 
I know that they play in the SEC, but for the role that Traylon Burks played, it's not like he's actually beating players as much as just getting the ball in his hands and being an elite athlete and running away from shitty athletes. To, to, to hammer this point home, I know 90% of you listening out there, unless you live in Mississippi or surrounding states, you don't know who the fuck Ole Miss's number one corner is. <laughs> you don't know who South Carolina's number one corner is, probably. That's the guy who's guarding the first or second round wide receiver. He's not going pro. He might, I guess, to be a special teams guy, but you don't know who that is. Yeah. Like, so that that's that's the little trail on Brixton. All right. We're a little bit long in the tooth on this segment, so let's flash through tight ends super quick. Let's just leave it at, like, a couple of sentences, and then we'll get to O-line. We've had it, like, one word. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. I'll, I'll hit it off. All right. Trey McBride, number one. Uh, his worst trait is that he is slow coming out of the three-point stance. If that is his worst trait, then he's fucking good. Um, number two, Greg Dol- Dulcich um, out of UCLA. Um I like him because he's a good receiving tight end. Not a very good blocker, but I, I like him for his receiving aspects. Average 17.3 yards per reception. That's pretty good. Former walk-on, too. Yeah, good guy. Good for him. Good, good for him. Um, <clears throat> then number three, Jeremy Ruckert. Um, he's good in the flats, and uh, I think his short game is really good. Also a pretty good blocker. So, uh, plus coming out of Ohio State, you know, can't really, you know, complain for for him. Um Let's see, uh, Jalen, uh, Jelani Woods, sorry, out of Virginia, because he is six foot seven. There's not much more to fucking say about that. If you're six foot seven, just throw he's it up to him. Also, like, in he also ran a four six. six yeah, he's, he's also athletic yeah. freak for six seven. Yeah, and also averaged about fifteen yards per reception. Like this guy is dangerous with a ball. Uh, just a man his size should not be moving the way he does. Um, and then number five, uh, somebody's gonna throw a remote at me. Um, Jalen Weidermeyer. I just threw my remote at you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hear me out. I know he's slow, but so are other tight ends in the NFL. No, 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 no. Don't you dare compare him to those guys. Those guys are like at least the threshold of what an NFL athlete should be. But this guy is like, like I've mentioned before with other tight ends, like this guy is a grim reaper with the ball. Like you just give him a, somehow, if he finds a way to create separation, which he does a pretty good job at, you know, he is a very good natural fluid mover in the, in, in his routes creates enough separation. He gets the ball. I am convinced him at his, you know, height and weight and his mobility. Yes. His mobility is a little slow, but I let him body the fucking box safety. I don't give a shit. Hey beans. Yes. What percentile is Jalen Weidemeyer's 40-yard dashes for tight end? Oh, it's probably <laughs> definitely not anywhere near where we want it to be. I'll give you a clue. Like... It's single digits, and it's the first one. <laughs> I love that. Is it milk? Is it 2%? No, it's one. <laughs> it's one. one. He's in the He's first one of percentile, one. and then if you adjust for his weight, which is 255 pounds, to get a speed score, it is – third percentile so is is Weidemeyer the dude who also like didn't get on the honor roll at any level oh yeah well, yeah so thank you for bringing that on Sam because <laughs> Jalen Weidemeyer is actually my sleeper tight end because that motherfucker was never awake in the classroom so <laughs> 
I don't need him to be smart. I just need him to catch ball and run ball downfield. That's all. Well, he's going to be dumb is. and catch ball and run slow for you. So, <laughs> all um, right. And then my. How hard it is to not make the honor roll like at any point in school ever. Like, doesn't that go back to like eighth grade, Gavin? No. Yeah, that's the that's the thing here is like if you like get a a certain scholarship, if you are a honor roll st- student in high school, like these college programs will put that shit on there. And so through the group of <clears throat> Trey McBride, Greg Dulcich, Delani Woods, Charlie Kolar, uh, James Mitchell, Isaiah Likely, Jeremy Ruckert, Cade Oton, Cole Turner, and Grant Calcaterra, uh, Jalen Weidermeyer was the only one that didn't have a lick of academic success. On <laughs> I love it. He's a football guy. Put him in my He's fucking football, locker room. Dude. Just right, give your sleeper. He's my sleeper, sleeper is a uh, Garrett Prince out of University of Alabama Birmingham because he's a Shawnee Kansas kid. Go Kansas! Let's go! Love nice. it. What do you got, Gavin? So okay, I'm not going to talk too much about Trey McBride and Greg Dulcich. They're the two guys that like just they're the best tight ends in this class. If you need one to produce, they can do it. Take them. Um, after that, I I'm gonna be dead ass. I don't care. I would rather take guys like the Jelani Woods later, who you already hit on being a super athlete. Uh, Charlie Kolar is actually a much better athlete than I expected Ooh. out of Iowa State. Um, he was like, he's an okay blocker. He had a great production relative to tight end. And then just like, actually, apparently was a really good athlete according to his testing. So He's a guy that really intrigues me because he also had a 3.99 GPA in mechanical engineering. So, um, at tight end, tight end is that one position that you know you need to be smart because it is a um, like really J- position that you Weidermeyer to- would like to enter the chat. Yeah. So, <laughs> regardless, so Charlie Kolar is my four at he's, five. Can I say I, something about Kolar real quick? Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah, cut no, you go off. Go ahead. I mean, he's like, from Iowa State. He's from around. Here. Yeah. So, like. Um, my thing with Kolar is like, he's not that flashy guy. Like he's just a, he's just that one tight end. That'll just show not like a Blake, but like an over glorified, uh, not over. Yeah. He's Kyle Rudolph. Like he'll just show up, do the damn thing. And just, you know, at the end of the day, just do his job. That's he just feels like a tight end two for like eight to 10 seasons. Yeah. That's that's what he feels. And he feels, he feels like a guy who's going to play out his rookie contract. Sign like two two year deals and then go on his ranch in Iowa and just be a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's your, who's your five? Uh, so my five is actually I don't I don't want to put Wait, this. Who's your Who's five. your four? You had it, it was, four was uh Kolar. My so three. Your four. My three it's was Bride, it's Bride, Dulwich, uh Woods, then Kohler. Uh Woods. Okay. Yeah, you just so barely mentioned Woods. I instead of five, I'm gonna do two sleepers here because this dude deserves a shout out. Um, James Mitchell from uh, Virginia Tech. So he's a guy that uh, and oh god, drinking game every time I say now here's a guy. Um, he's a guy that like had pretty good athleticism coming out of high school. He wasn't able to test because he just lost this year because he tore his ACL. But, like, relative to the Virginia Tech offense was a productive receiving option. And I guess what we have to go off of with his high school testing and, I guess, on tape, he appears to be athletic there. So he's a guy I'd be okay taking a shot on late just because I think he's been completely forgotten about and would be getting talked about right now otherwise. Um, but, yeah, my actual sleeper is going to be Jalen Weidemeyer because he's still currently sleeping in the back of his business ethics class. So 
Let's go on, Sam. All right. Um, I'm going to start with Trey McBride because McBride good. McBride catch football. <laughs> um, then my number two is actually Charlie Kohler. Um, okay. I, I think it's kind of one of those things where I watched him play at Iowa State. And, I mean, he just always seemed to be – he always seemed to be winning, right? So, I I think he's – and plus at tight end, I think if you can find guys who are going to play for eight years, that's really good. Um, number three, I got Isaiah Likely, mainly because he has that meme, and I just think that he's going to be I, – I just like the meme, Likely four. He's likely going to be in the league for less than four years, but, you know <laughs> – I like him. Eh. Um, then I got Jelani Woods at number four, just because he's an athletic freak. And then I'm going to go with uh, Calcaterra oh. at number five, because I've heard of him. That That's pretty much all it goes down to. Did you hear <laughs> I don't give a fuck about tight end, as yeah. you can tell. I didn't do any research for tight end. And that goes right into my sleeper pick, which is... Um, Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin. I don't know a damn thing about uh, Jake Ferguson, but he went to Wisconsin, and that makes me feel like he's a good blocking tight end. That might not even be true, but, you know, Stereotype. out of Wisconsin, screw it. Uh, did Charlie Kolar have that, like, two-touchdown game against us when we were up in Ames where he just, like, mossed our so. linebackers? I, I, I know he – he moved the sticks in K-State like three times on one drive. It was like that 22-play drive that they had against us this year. I, I know they used two multiple tight ends too because I remember they had like one year up in Ames. They just literally just did nothing but ran tight end fades on our linebackers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that too – like if Charlie Kohler was just by himself at tight end, I think he would have been a lot more productive. But yeah. I, I think I I don't know the whole like him having a three nine nine mechanical engineer makes me I mean he's smart he's athletic like he's good at football like that's why he's two um, and after McBride and Collar like you know I obviously lost interest I couldn't find an Iowa tight end for my sleeper otherwise that's who it would have been mm-hmm. so all right let's move on to offensive linemen um, this one offensive linemen here like there's Kind of no particular order because they're – I mean, this is a good class. Um, number one, Evan Neal, obviously. Guy's a fucking beast. Uh, Ike McQuanu, Kenyon Green. Um, and then here I have Charles Cross, and then uh, then I have Linderbaum as my five. And then for my underrated sleeper guy, I have Cole Strange. I get it. Like uh, He's like – It's an a, awesome name. Yeah, yeah. Cole, that that's the one reason I liked him, Cole Strange, out of Chattanooga. Um, I just think he doesn't get the the hype that should be around him. Um, so he's just a big guy. Um, so I agree with most of what you said there, Beans. I'm literally just gonna lump because I feel the exact same about Charles Cross, Akima Kwanu, Evan Neal. I'm not going to throw Bernard Raymond in there because he's going to be 24. Yeah, I felt, I felt the same way. I feel proud of him because he's from Australia. But Yeah, no, he literally served in the like Australian Army. Yeah, like, that, that's it's cool. It's a cool story, but... He just I doesn't just, have the longevity. Yeah, I would he, rather take Trevor Penning. He's like Penning. My, Mayala. 
you're gonna have Nealon. Like he might be really good. He just might only last like four seasons. Right. I would rather. I the difference between him and Trevor Penning is small enough to me that I would rather just if you're an NFL team and you need an offensive lineman, grab one of the four tackles and then grab Linderbaum if you need uh, interior help. Like it's really just that simple to me. I don't care who. It depends where you need help, right? But like those guys are going to be successful NFL players. And who's your sleeper? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Sam, go. I'll look for a fucking sleeper. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, Traylon Burks. 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 All right. So, for my number one, I got Tyler Linderbaum. Nice. I truthfully think that this is a Quentin Nelson-type situation where Linderbaum is, like, obviously the best offensive lineman out of all these guys in terms of just pound for pound being a good offensive lineman. Yep. And I think it's just positional value. Now, guard's a little bit more positionally value valuable than, you know, center. And, you know, as you go out, it gets more it's get, it gets more and more. But I think Linderbaum is the type of guy that really should be going in, like, the top ten if you're talking about best players in the draft. Mm-hmm. But isn't because he plays center. Like, and a lot of the – really a lot of – all you need to know about Linderbaum is, like, all the good centers ever, like the Travis Fredericks of the world, like, they get drafted, like, late first at best. And, like, Linderbaum has been talked about mid first. You know, that – so that kind of – that's kind of all I got to say about him is I think he's the best offensive lineman in the class, personally. Then I'm going to go with Iquanu. I personally think that he's the best tackle. I think he brings – the most violence to the position, right? That That's really all there is to it. I think he just kind of manhandles people, and I think there's just kind of a lot of room. I think there's a lot of room for him to grow as a pass protector, too. Right, and that's why um, he's been talked about transitioning to guard, too, mostly just because of that, that exact thing. You don't want a, a pass protection liability at tackle, but you yeah. can get away with that at guard. Yeah, I and like that might push him down draft boards, but that doesn't mean he's a worse offensive lineman. He just plays a less valuable position, if that makes sense. Um, then I got Evan Neal. Evan Neal just feels like the kind of guy who's going to step in, be your left tackle for ten years, and like call it a day. I don't. I personally don't feel like he has. Like he, I, I don't feel like he's going to be like a superstar left tackle if that. If that makes sense, it's fine. What was that? Could be anything. <laughs> and Evan Neal just feels like a solid guy. He feels like your Eric, Fisher, like a little bit, like Eric Fisher plus. Um, let me see. Sorry, my phone decided to go away from my list. Um, <laughs> then I got Cross. Obviously, Cross is another dude. He's good. That's all there is to it. And then for the funnies, I took Daniel. Uh, however, you pronounce F. A A L E L E. Falele. Whatever. He's like 6'8, like 350. Like, that's all I need to know. That dude's a big motherfucker. And that's all I care about. Wow, we made um, it. No, because I still need my sleeper. Oh, my fuck. sleeper. I is, thought that was your sleeper. Nope, he's my number five. Because he's a big motherfucker. My sleeper is Andrew. Rup, Rupkitch. Rupkitch. Wow. 
You've never heard of this dude because he plays for Culver Stockton in the NAIA. Let's go. But he got Represent. invited to the Combine, which means that he's probably going to be fine because every dude ever that's been in a bad school that's gotten invited to the Combine always ends up having a decent career. Now, he looked like he pulled his back running his, his like, 5-3-4-40. And he – but I looked at him. That dude literally looks like a baby. It looks like he's never actually lifted weights in his life. If this – like, you should look at this guy. He literally looks like – he looks like the uh, the uh, marshmallow man. The, the stay oh, punk guy. what he looks like. I'm not shitting you. That's what he looks like. If that dude gets into it, if that guy gets an NFL nutritionist in an NFL weight room, that dude might actually be something in the NFL. So that's my deep sleeper. Holy cow, guys. We covered a lot of ground Holy there. Holy shit. We did cover a lot. And we're going to be doing defense next week. So we're going to cover even more ground. Yeah. That brain hurts. Yeah, that was a lot of conversation. And speaking All right, of, Beans, how about you take us away with a thought-provoking moment, and we skip the hot tweets, hot the hot uh, takes this week because we delivered a lot of hot takes. Yeah, there. there's yeah. A, there's a lot. That was, my brain can't function. All right, so we all have our feelings about black licorice, right? Yeah, it sucks. Okay, yeah. Oreos are the black licorice of cookies. No, fuck you. No, that's fuck just a terrible. That's yeah. just not true. Yes, that is. Or, Oreos are not good cookies. That's just. I I ate an Oreo during the segment. Make oh, Oreos man. in the freezer. Delicious. Oh man. What do you not I don't like wanna, about Oreos? Yeah, I don't want to break like about Oreos. I don't want to break my teeth when I bite into a cookie. What? what? That's like. That's like a lot of cookies. Oh um, no! It's... Do you not like? Do you not like? Uh, like uh, the like, caramel delights? Like those are pretty like hard. Uh, so no, you not soft cookies. Yeah, soft cookies. They're they're way better. I like I prefer soft cookies, but I'm just saying like a mint. And one... and it, it, it like sticks to your mouth and it like your teeth and it's just like I, dirty. I'll give you that one. It's I'll like very dirty. One. I don't feel clean after eating it. I feel worse than I did before. Comparing a fucking Oreo to like a porno or something. <laughs> it felt good at the time, but I feel shitty now. <laughs> I feel ashamed. You, I, I will give you it sticks to your teeth. Because that, that has happened what is that, to me. What is that? Post-cookie thoughts? Post-cookie thoughts. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't agree with you that Oreos are bad, though. They taste good. No, they don't. Yes, they do. The only thing that's good about them is the cream in the middle. But like it's the that, that's like a that's like saying like the only good part of it of fucking meatball sub is the meatballs. Isn't that isn't that true? <laughs> yeah, but you still eat the meatball sub. Like <laughs> the meatball but you suffer you suffer through the, the ball. But you suffer through the bread. I don't want to suffer through breaking my teeth over a cookie. If you just ate How the ever... in the middle though, you would feel like shit too. How many people have ever actually like broken their teeth with Oreos? Like I wonder that. Well, one, one. Thank you very much. Like oh things. wait, have you broken your tooth on an Oreo? You shut up. Wait, no. This makes more sense now. You're just gone. <laughs> yeah, no. This I, is just you're. I'm scared. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm never. I have broken my tooth, but not over a cookie. Okay. Oh. Because I, I was gonna say, like, if you did that, like, 
That makes more sense. That makes sense. That, now we're having a therapy session, not like a thought-provoking moment. <laughs> no, this is this no, is a true. This is a hot take and a beans thought-provoking moment where, all in one. Where where did the Oreo touch you? <laughs> um, to piggyback off of this, I guess this this is going to be a slightly hot take, um, but just to piggyback off of bad food takes, I suppose, or just like food that we hate. Uh, relish is disgusting and doesn't belong on hot dogs. By the way. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, okay. Is the superior condiment on hot dogs. It should be ketchup and ketchup alone. No mustard. No pickles? No, I don't put pickle. I, no, I just, Ooh. it's ketchup. No, it's got to have pick. I, I don't, I refuse to make a hot dog or hamburger that isn't like a fucking master class with, you know, some, like if I have the ability to put lettuce, cheese, pickle, ketchup, I, just all the tomato, the whole fucking nine yards uh, of dude, shit. I, I hate tomatoes. Tomatoes are Oh, disgusting. my God. Okay. You like ketchup. It's the same shit. No, dude, <laughs> the texture. The texture fucks with me, dude. I hate oh, okay. It, it's, dude, it's the same thing. I don't, you know what else? It's like, I don't mind, like, pickles, but, like, okay, this is, this is going to sound dumb. I listened to a Hannibal Burris stand-up one time, and, like, the, the, the joke was he had, like, these pickles, right? Like, they were the candy, well, not the candy pickles from Blasted, but they were, like, pickles. And, like, he liked pickles, so he needed a pickle. And he was joking about, like, how, you know, you don't, like, throw anything away, but when you're done with, like, your pickles from the pickle jar, like, all you guys left is some pickle juice. And he, like, said, like, for a week, he would take, like, his hand, he'd put it in the pickle jar, and he'd flick the pickle juice onto, like, the sandwich or whatever to get the essence of pickle. I like that, right? Like, the essence of the pickle, like, the taste of it. But, like, the texture, I'm just not a big fan of the texture of pickle. I, I can't get on that. <laughs> okay, I, so I, now I, I'm the weird one. <laughs> yes. Um, onion, too. Like, I like onion powder on my stuff, but, like, when I chew into an onion, it just gets in my nose. I don't like it. Uh, it has to be grilled. I, I Okay, my stepmom sauteed some onions on a steak one time. That shit was bomb. Yeah, saute your onions. I I can't do anything like, like like anything that McDonald's does though. Disgusting. Yeah, no, well McDonald's in general. Yes, McDonald's in general is disgusting. But like any just like raw onion, like that's just gross as fuck. So like mustard bad too, just to close that off. Except for Dijon mustard, and honey mustard. Dijon mustard sucks too. I like it better than regular mustard. Okay, well, I just hate all mustard, I guess. So. That's, honey, that's hu- honey mustard. The mustard honey of mustard, honey. Right. That's, honey that's mustard just... isn't real mustard, though. Like That's facts. It's, yeah. It just has mustard in the name. To I don't know. Maybe the people that like invented it didn't want it to get big. They just wanted to keep it for themselves. So they wanted to scare people off. So they put mustard in the name for no reason. Okay, dude. We, we just went through food conversation. Does anyone have any parting words? Um, sriracha ketchup, elite. Um, mayo with ketchup, also elite. Um, parting word, um, rip Dwayne Haskins. Yep. Yep. I, that, uh, yeah, I, I can't say much more than that. I mean, rest in peace. Yep. Yep. Rest in peace to Mr. Ha- Haskins, prayers to his family and loved ones. We, uh, we want to thank you guys again for listening to our show. We know it's pretty long in the tooth. It was a big conversation show. And we really appreciate you listening and 
following through with us. Um, if you listen to us and you're in the Netherlands, contact us on Twitter at, <laughs> at double underscore F3S, all capitals. Uh, we want you on the show if you're listening in Netherlands. Uh, you're the real MVP, as Kevin Durant would say. And you know um, it's just you. You're the only one. We got it. We know you are the only one. So yeah, you're the only one in the Netherlands. We'd love to have you on. Um, I don't know how that would work with time differences, but we'd love to have you on. And we can talk whatever you want. Um, so if you're out there, give us a holler. Give us a holler. Try and get a hold of us. We'd love to have you on. But to everyone else, we want to thank you. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe to this video on Spotify and Apple Pod. Make sure to leave a review. That way we know what we can do better in the future. Um, positive reviews are good. Negative review- reviews are better. Or at least critical reviews. Not All of them will be them. saying Bean sucks at analyzing shit. Well, I don't know how we can make that better. We, I guess we can <laughs> fire Beans. Yes. With that, we want to say thank you for listening again. God bless. Stay frosty. And we'll see you next time.